Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Fundamentalists Podcast. We know it's been a little bit of time since you've heard our voices talking about all sorts of fun topics, deep topics, lighthearted topics, but we're back, everybody. In fact, we're just getting started. If you thought for a moment that the Fundamentalists were going away, you are wrong. Or Fundamentalist was, I guess, since it's a collective It's a collective now. Anyway, Pete, how you doing? I'm doing good, man. All the better for talking to you. I, I wish I was in sunny LA with you and we would be sitting down in person. I know, my goodness. But, you know, I think that's going to happen again. I'm not too worried about it. But there's no, it does, it does make it more difficult to do the podcast, but it doesn't mean that the magic still isn't there, according to what our own listeners have said. Oh, yes. I, yes, I have had some positive feedback in the last couple of weeks, and that's partly why I reached out to you and was like, oh, should we uh, try and get this kicked off again? Um, some people were enjoying one of the episodes we did from afar on Foucault and Chomsky. I got some positive wow. feedback on that one. So uh, Nice. I was wondering about that, how that one uh, went over, and I'm also going to be very curious about how this one goes over. Mm-hmm. Well, what is the topic for today? Well, so, all right. So here we go, folks. The topic. Well, should you should you read out the text message that I sent you? Yeah, sure. So that's a good way to to put it. So we're kind of at a a, there's a conundrum here, folks. Where (laughs) the topic at hand is um is is salacious, but we don't want to say the word because I've heard, and I could be wrong, that your stuff gets throttled. Uh, and, and it won't show up in people's feeds if you use the word we're about to, to use. And so it looks like, so on August 31st, uh, Pete sent me this, just a sweet text message at 1.24 a.m. My time, folks. That's different for his, his time. 1.24 a.m., he says, was catching up with you. Great catching up the other day. Uh, you and Grace, very much heart on my heart and mind. And I miss our days of hanging out. I hope it happens again soon. And then Saturday, a couple days go by, 1.09 p.m., Peter Rollins texts me two words, masturbation fantasies. And you know what? So the I, unconscious speaks. <laughs> yeah, what did you say? I, uh, <laughs> I screenshot those two texts because I did not respond because I'm rude when, uh, when Pete was like, oh, great hanging out. And I was like, mm, I'll get to that later, and then never did. Um, and, uh, and then, the, yeah, so reading it all together says, it was great catching up a little the other day. You and Grace are very much on my heart and mind, and I miss our days of hanging out. I hope that it happens again soon. Masturbation fantasies. So what's going on there, Pete? Yeah, I am sorry, man. As my, my unconscious <laughs> is showing. <laughs> I don't know if that's your unconscious showing. It's something showing. Yeah, well, um, whenever you sent the screenshot back to me, it was like, oh, wow. <laughs> but just to say to the listeners, there was a few days separation between those two texts. And yes. I do have a tendency, as Elliot does, of sometimes just sending a topic uh, and that was the topic that was on my mind um, okay. <laughs> for the fundamentalists. <laughs> actually, it didn't make sense to me until just now. Okay, I understand. Oh, is that, that. right? Okay. Did you not yeah, know? Yeah, I still like, I thought you just accidentally sent something. And then I was waiting. I was like, I thought you were, I waited for, let's see how many minutes uh, <laughs> there. 
So I waited two minutes thinking that you were going to send like a photo of like a car or something that you liked. <laughs> and you were going to be like, this is my masturbate. And I was going to be like, no, okay. Uh, but no, I was like, yeah, he's just, uh, he just says masturbation. It's a topic. That makes sense. Oh, See, that's how <laughs> my mind's a little, yeah, that now I, now I get it. So oh, that's really you. embarrassing because you didn't know that until right now, like a week later. Nope. No, that's that's fine though. I was just like, I'm I'm sure it has a reason that isn't what it seems like. <laughs> but then, immediate, in your uh, mind, did you think that's a weird coincidence that he wrote masturbation fantasies and also he thinks that would be independently a good topic for yeah. fundamentalists? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's perfect. I, yeah. I do think it is a good a good topic, but um, I that my goodness. And then you were like, might be a good way to start the podcast. And my first thought was, we, we're gonna, you're going to start it with my masturbating? What are you talking about? And then it took me, and then we figured out. So this is going to be a different kind of episode, folks. We're talking about, um, we'll, as we'll ChatGPT. Yes. So yeah, we're going we're gonna to try not to say the word too much. And so how about DIY? That's what ChatGPT says is, is one of them. Do it yourself. DIY? So DIY. Can we say that habitually? Brilliant. It's perfect. I'll stick with DIY. Or, I like this one, taking matters into one's own hands. <laughs> okay. Maybe you could try and do a different euphemism every time. Okay. If you can, yeah. Because you've got ChatGPT in front of you. You've got some help. Uh, so I have, I, this is your chosen topic. You are, I would venture to say also, the scholar of this An expert. On this. Area. <laughs> yeah. I think this is your what your PhD is in. Uh, and so what is your, your take on um, bopping the the um on bopping the bishop polishing yeah. the bishop i have a, a personal and professional interest um well you know here's where here's where the original thought came from and then i thought oh there's loads of stuff we could talk about but the original thought was you know there is this religious idea that that diy was a sin Right. A lot of people have heard that and even were in religious settings and it's always it's very mocked today. But I always um, I'm always interested in in kind of archaic ideas that actually, if you really think about it and you try to kind of like look for the kernel of of truth within it can actually be quite insightful. So I was thinking about this, this notion of like, yeah, DIY is a sin. Um, obviously, we all mock that today. And yet. I think we might be in an age of DIY over a, 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 like a decrease in sexual relations and an increase yeah, yeah, yeah. in honorism or in kind of like self-pleasuring, if we can, can we say that without being... Yeah, yeah I think so. Um, and so I'll start there. And then, and then I was also thinking it might be interesting to talk about what do our fantasies say about us, which is really interesting. How do fantasies grew where do they come from why are they sedimented in the way they are but as i say i'll go back to the reason why i sent you that um that message uh, which was um you know I i'm just feeling that increasingly there seems to be within the developed world uh more and more uh what what do they call it? the panda effect you know the way pandas aren't really having sex and they're kind of like pandas are really rubbish at having sex. You, oh, you'd be interested in this from an evolutionary no. perspective. Yeah, I would. Yeah. Like, supposedly pandas are, from an evolutionary perspective, absolutely rubbish. 
Oh, right, because they can't. They're always trying to get them to mate, and they just never. They never do. Is they that... never do. And also, but eat what they eat, bamboo. I mean, I think it's like so. There's so little nutrients in it that basically they have to eat it all the time. You know, there's loads of reasons why pandas are absolutely rubbish. Uh, but one of them, as you said, is they don't seem to want to have sex with each other, it, at least in captivity. But even, I think, even in the wild, they're not great at it. Um, in okay. fact, I think if, if it wasn't for our help at this point, pandas would, would definitely go the way of the dodo. Although I think we ate gotcha. those out of existence, yeah. Um, but yeah, the, the yeah. panda effect uh, is basically, are we moving towards less and less object relation sexuality where we have sex with other people is there more and more of a fear of the toxic other and are we um substituting that with more and more porn more and more things like only fans um uh, art ai uh partners etc cetera, etc cetera. um and so in a way because the whole point of this idea of uh, DIY being a sin, I think at the heart of it was because it was like, it was potentially narcissistic. It was turning your pleasure into yourself, right? So you pleasure yourself narcissistically um, rather than having a mutually enriching sexual relation with another. And I go like, oh, that's, that's, an int that's at least an interesting question to ask ourselves uh, in the present age. Um, is is there like a kind of narcissistic turn away from what's potentially a dangerous or toxic other into internal fantasies and uh, safe sexual relations using movies and videos? I'm trying to avoid all the words that will get this through. You're doing great. Yeah. Yeah, you're doing great. Um, <clears throat> Are you jerking it? Yes. <laughs> Um, I think that's what you're talking about. Uh, yeah. I don't, I'm not going to take the, uh, not saying it too, too seriously, but, yeah. uh, because it's not a serious, uh, topic. I, and cause no one listens I, to us anyway. So not, you exactly know. <laughs> in more ways than one, but I looked up, um, on Spotify to the, uh, the word masturbation. Or, well, there it is. Um, uh, but I, cause I was like, maybe this is something that's been talked about on podcasts like ours or like, you know, uh, psychological philosophical discussions about it and that was not at all what the search results were it was instead um what are called j-o-i have you heard of this term before no. which is i can, you can guess what the j-o is um it is would be a euphemism and ah. then i stands for instructions um uh. which is also a really interesting thing that that there's a whole genre where um where uh people want to hear inst instructions on how to you know step by step it's like taking even the decision of how to do it yourself out of it letting somebody else kind of guide you through it and um oh. and also the only fans thing that you mentioned is so wild dude like only fans is um what a force because it has just completely taken over it seems like like there isn't like i remember growing up when it was like Porn was like, here's the, uh, or adult content was like, here's girls in wet t-shirts and it's all like, I don't know, so it was very produced. And, you know, you have like all the, the jokes about like the pizza delivery guy or the plumber that comes over and all these like stereotypes. And then, so first, let me, let's, let's separate here that we are talking about, um, specifically tending to one's needs, not necessarily <laughs> adult content. Yes. <laughs> 
because I think that they get they get mixed up. Like you, we're right. talking about self self stimulation that can happen as a result of one's own internal fantasies, or an, uh, a a uh, one's internal fantasies mixed with outside stimulus through adult content. But you're not necessarily we're not necessarily talking about pornography. No, yeah, not necessarily. Um, and and yeah, that's a good distinction to make. Um. When I'm using the term, I'm talking about, yes, whether it's internal with the mind or some medium, it's basically, but, uh, you know, this isn't, you know, this isn't the thing I'm primarily interested in really, but it's, it's, yes, it's not involving another person. It's not involving another subjectivity. And in a way, it's not encountering the enigma of the other's desire. So you're very much interested in you know your own sexual fantasies but you're not encountering another real person with their own enigmatic sexual fantasies um so yeah, yeah. like um because the only fans thing is such an interesting uh thing because they're they're like real people um i don't and 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 they're so but they they present they're offering a, a product, basically. They're yes. just giving a service, and that's that's all. But yeah, they're still the person engaging with that is still. Um, dude, you know what this is like? This is like the NPC trend. I was about to say this. I was about, I was waiting for yeah. you to finish, and I was going to say NPC because the NPC trend is very much that the other has no subjectivity whatsoever, but is purely an instrument of your demand. But yes. Go yeah, for it, yeah yeah exactly yeah exactly mm-hmm. exactly that yeah it's like you can still affect them but you are in no way at risk of being affected by them in a way that you mm-hmm. don't want to be but they yes. you, they can't choose what you can what you can do that you have more even though the person doing it is like no i'm raking in so much money doing this like the npc thing that because I, I was talking to a buddy of mine who does internet stuff and um and social media stuff and he was saying he'll go through on TikTok and, and watch this NPC stuff and crack up. But it's also like the person is in on the joke who's doing it. They know what they're doing. And they are able to exit mentally and just rake in money because this stuff costs money for them to do like, you know, people to throw in these little demands or whatever. Wild. Just wild. Yes, yes. I and forgot I, where I was going with that, but it's crazy. Yeah, no, I think the ABC, you're absolutely right. And like one of the one of the elements that's really fascinated me, and we did talk about actually doing an episode on this, but is that the other becomes a pure extension. So you're not encountering the toxic dimension of the other at all. Like the other does not have any depth dimension, any enigmatic yeah. desire. So in a way, it's a great um, analogy for potentially the increasing fear that we have of sexuality and the sexuality of the other and we we want potentially to enter into either contractual relationships with someone so you pay somebody five dollars a month they give you exactly the fantasy you want but with no dimension of you know of really encountering them in their sexual questioning and and then the npc is a kind of like a, a very pc way of expressing this something about i don't know something about the danger of the other that yeah. the npc kind of avoids um, have you are you familiar with the term that i love to throw around when i want to sound smart <clears throat> which is <clears throat> enantiodromia you know that that term oh no what is it enantiodromia well it's an ancient greek idea it's a tendency of things to turn into their opposite and oh. so through time everything kind of flows back and forth i imagine one of those little desk things has the liquid thing that goes back and oh, forth but um, that's a great it, term it I, I yeah i love that idea so yeah, keep going. Yep. 
and but yeah, it's like it. Uh, there's been an enantiodromia where it used to be that masturbation relations were um, considered seedy and dirty and like st- to be done secretly and darkly and it's you're you're sinful and it's you you have ick you're an icky person and what has now happened is it's actually a more sterile like there's something very uh like whitewashed about it where you can just it's so accepted so ubiquitous and then you can have you can do it all the time and never have basically never have a need or requirement to enter into a messy relationship where those types of things might be a problem like if you're in a relationship where your partner doesn't want you to masturbate then you then it's much easier to not be in a relationship and just and a lot of dudes are doing that i think maybe a lot of you know women are doing it i don't know i don't i'm not i don't i don't ask but uh it does seem like there's been a bit of an enantia enantiodromia with it yes i know that's that's very interesting and yeah um the worry is then we can compartmentalize our sexuality so much. So, for example, you basically get off in the morning so that you can work effectively during the day. You can box your sexuality. And, and it kind of like it's something very depressing. It's something very instead of having a sexual relationship with someone that kind of bleeds out in all sorts of ways in your work in your play, in your snuggling on the sofa, and all of these ways in which one's sexuality comes out. I wonder if we're increasingly, as a society, boxing our sexuality to something that you do for 10 minutes in this way, and it's not appropriate in other environments. And now there's some good stuff about that, like there's, but it's very difficult to go, like as sexual beings uh, in, I say, a workplace where you work nine to five, five days a week, how do you express your sexuality in terms of like with your coworkers and all? And at the moment, there's obviously for a variety of reasons, that's not something you one does. So I kind of almost feel that sexuality becomes, especially with the increase of all the OnlyFans porn, all of that kind of thing, you can literally make it a utilitarian 10 minutes you do in the morning before you have a shower and and again to make you a more productive worker that there's something there's something dangerous about sexuality as we know dangerous in the best way and dangerous in the worst way and i think george orwell was kind of right in 1984 when you go like there's there's something about controlling sexuality that is uh fascist fascistic you know, whenever governments and corporations want to do it. So these are all questions that were in my mind when I sent that enigmatic text to you. Yeah. And also I was thinking I like- about you and Grace. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, and also, by the way, uh, oh, and then, and then another, uh, and then a little bit at the end. But uh, yeah, it reminds me of the scene in, uh, you know, Wolf of Wall Street when Matthew McConaughey is talking to uh, Leonardo DiCaprio. And he's like, how many times, how many times a day? I got three, four times, five times. Like I gotta get keep the keep the the pipes clear. Just gotta keep doing. It. I don't. I want to, but I have to. Like that whole thing. And it's oh, like yeah. <laughs> very. Uh, it's just so he. You know, he wants to, but he does it because he has to keep his head clear so he can make more money on the the stock market. And I also, yes. are you saying that there's some there's a connection between the exploitation of the worker and the rise of a sterile uh, kind yeah. of self-satisfaction that the monotony of the nine to five may give no room for the expression of more subtle uh, sexual 
uh, or like the libidinal kind of aspect of it. And so it all gets funneled into this sort of 10 minute box at the beginning of the day. Yeah, which I think Woody Allen explored in one of his sci-fi movies, I forget, but it almost like like there there has been this sci-fi fantasy which starts to look more and more in the future where people have these very boxed sexual experiences and they put on maybe thing on their head and they both have this se- sexual experience. But even, you know, people talking about the singularity and Neuralink, these, these notions where one will have well, it's kind of weird, almost like purified sexual experiences, which are purely mental, you know, where we won't even have to touch each other's bodies. And But there's definitely some, there's something about the compartmentalizing, the taming, and the the narcissistic kind of dimension of sexuality at the moment that is at least important to analyze, I think. Um, Do yeah. you think there's a connection to just the overall narcissistic uh nature of our current predicament like the fact that we do tend to be selfie takers and social media influencers and we're all very self-oriented yeah there could very much be something in that and also the thing that i'm very aware of and was more aware of in la than now but is is also the fear of the other like i bet you're seeing politically um culturally religiously like sexually there is so it's not not only maybe are we kind of like uh moving to what, what you could call infantile sexuality because the infant turns inward to find pleasure and returns to their own body so not only do you see the rise of infantile sexuality i wonder if it's if it's partly happening because of our fear of others you know um and what do we do yeah. about that yeah what well what do we do about i mean because it seems like it's not going to get any um any better and this is related to i mean to the the on the more extreme version the incel or the migtow mm. or the groiper or the what is the other one that i was seeing that's such a weird one um it's a really weird word and it's oh there's like coomer which is a play on another word that's not hard to figure out um the meme world the sort of 4chan the, the deeper you go into the internet, ironically, you get um, a much more uh, separated people. You get much more isolated yeah. individuals who are um, who take pride in their their disavowal of of dealing with the other in any uh, yes. any capacity, which is very interesting. Yeah, I mean, Slavio Shizak in, in the book, actually, we were talking about before we went online, um, Hegel and the Wired Brain, he, he makes a comment about a series that was on TV called, was it called Euphoria? Um, about a sc- people in a school or something like that. Now, I've never seen the series, but what I've heard about it is it's the kind of series you would imagine with young people dealing with sex, relationships, drugs, and Shizek mentioned how anachronistic it felt because it, it, he said like, and this is this is my anecdotal experience with my friends who have now teenagers, is that's not that's like what was happening in the eighties and nineties, but actually yeah, it's not that at all. It's not that at all. Yes, it's not that at all. There's something else going on. And my friends who have teenagers, uh, particularly the boys, but not exclusively actually, but um, less and less dating. Um, you it's know, more like and more I mean, I guess virginity can't be on the rise, but the lack, the the uh, 
yeah, I've heard that basically teenagers and like 20 somethings, they're just not having college students are having sex. No. Like, and it's the fantasy that people have of college of like going to the dorms and partying and it's all crazy. It still happens, but yeah, I don't think it's as ubiquitous as it no. uh, used to be. It's not. I actually, I know a couple of young people who lived in my apartment, really nice kids, and they did a couple of parties. But these were the typical kind of young people, successful. But they were not doing that very much. And the couple of times they did do it, um, they had profound sense of there was anxiety around that expression of of pleasure. Um, and that kind of Wait, was quite interesting to me. Um, you talk to them about this uh, in well, the elevator? Um, interestingly, more they they put some stuff online, so they talked about it a little bit online, um, and so I kind of was just looking at what they were saying, um, and also because oh. I lived beside them, I could hear the parties. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, okay. I thought you were gonna do another joke at the very end where you tag on a little. And also, I I was at the parties and they. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I I have a like. You know, I think one of the solutions to the Fermi paradox, um, one of the more interesting um, potential solutions to the Fermi paradox or reasons for the Fermi paradox is, is that as, as species become more and more advanced, they become more and more asexual, more and more onerous, more and more singular and, and, and die out. <laughs> I, I don't think that's necessarily oh. the truth, but it's almost like advanced species. There's, like if you watch sci-fi movies, there is a general tendency to look at the future as more and more sterile, more and more minimalist, more and more isolated. Now, that's just a fantasy of the future, of course, but I do, I do think because sci-fi is a fantasy of the present. And so when I look at sci-fi movies and I see these desexualized, um, almost morgue aesthetic um, it, it, and you look at somewhere like Japan, which is a very highly advanced society where there's a lot less sex and sexual relations happening you go okay there's something interesting about that because obviously you look at poor societies they have more children right so you go you look at india for example the average number of kids is a lot higher than in america now there's loads of reasons for that but as you see that as society gets more developed more advanced more wealth it seems like the the population goes down and down and down and down and down yeah, that's uh, that seems to be uh, the case, and like you said, there's many reasons for it. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, so getting back to to the notion of uh, choking the chicken, um, <laughs> would you would you uh, let's talk about the the guilt around it? Because you you kind of I think you're speaking very broadly about mm -hmm. the um, the sort of lack of of guilt. I never you know, feel like, um, I'm batting a thousand after I never, after I've, um, which I mean, I never have, but in the idea that I would have, I would imagine that afterward, I wouldn't always feel like a million dollars. And there is so, there is still, I think a level of is sort of shame or Christian shame. And, and I'm very like straightforward about, it. you know, I'm very, uh, in my relationship, I'm very quite honest about the whole thing, and it's all fine. But there is that s cultural um, honest uh, about never masturbating. 
Yeah. Yep. Yep. Uh, about uh, yeah, I'm very open about never ever ever doing it. Yeah. And um, because I'm a good boy. Or a good boy. <laughs> but uh, the, I and now I, it's so interesting because I, I watch a lot of like fundamentalist, uh, influencers. I really enjoy. Uh, I have like a Finstagram, which is a fake Instagram account, which I highly recommend you get, Pete. It's very fun. Um, and I'll use it to like argue with people about flat earth or I'll use it to check out these influencers that are um, like really trying to be hip, but they're also, they're doing really, really old school, hyper-conservative fundamentalist Christian morals. Like, like women, like how do we stop, ladies, how do we stop doing this? Like, they're just like, it's like all, the, all that purity culture stuff is still alive and well. And there seems to be a rise in that as well with the rise of like TikTok. So TikTok has opened up this whole door with like trad wives and all these people who are super like, we're gonna bake all our food fresh and we're gonna have checkered, you know, tablecloths and, you know, we're gonna eat raw milk. They're so into raw milk. There's so much psychoanalytic stuff going on there. And it's interesting to me that it happens alongside the ubiquitousness of something like OnlyFans. Yes, and and for me, and I'm sure you will be surprised by this, you may, you probably agree, but. For me, these are directly dialectically connected. Like the yeah. one has to see, and we, we can use very concrete examples. I'll use a couple of concrete examples and then we can talk more theoretically. But, you know, in a, well, when Lacan said, when, if God is dead, nothing is permissible, he was, um, he was playing on a very clever thing. So Jean Paul Sartre, we may have talked about this before, but Jean Paul Sartre very famously said, uh, quoting Dostoevsky or misquoting Dostoevsky, in a famous essay called Humanism is an Existentialism, um, or Existentialism is a Humanism, sorry. Uh, he said, if God is dead, everything is permissible. And what Jean-Paul Sartre meant by that is, if there's no moral objective framework, we have to, you know, we have to take responsibility for our own ethics and our own actions, right? So that was Sartre's position. And then Lacan came along and said, if God is dead, nothing is permissible. And Lacan was using a much more Freudian idea, which is um, that the more freedom people have, the more anxiety that is created. And then the more you look for something to contain the anxiety, so the more you go conservative. So in somewhere like L.A., where you can kind of do anything you want with anybody, there's increasingly the opposite, more and more people who are isolated and alone. And then there's more people who will go back to, say, a conservative church, because that's an easier way to meet somebody. And, and have a sexual relation because of the constraints to anxiety. So these are all connected. It's not that, um, you know, uh, some very hyper-conservative or reactionary politics is the opposite of progressivism. It's the hidden truth of progressivism, you know, in some respect. Well, it's reactionary, though, too, right? Hence the dialectic part. It's like a... Yes, it go, yeah, and it goes... Yeah, points is kind of reactionary, but it's reactionary in the way that it's completely connected yes rather than seen as something separate from and that's why i'm always interested this is this is actually you know why i suggested this topic also because i was thinking about you and grace but i was um thinking about how um uh this there's some truth in these conservatives who are kind of probably against masturbation and against pornography and against only fans and what i mean by an element of truth is just going, is not looking at what they're actually intending, not looking at what they're consciously saying, but actually going, 
do I feel within myself and do I see within my friends and do I see within wider culture um, a, a decrease in the ability to tarry with the toxic dimension of the other and a, a, an easy escape into DIY sexuality. And I think yeah. that there is something to that. You know, there is something to that. Yeah, I mean, in their defense, like when you're there's some and 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 I think there's a fair bit of um I don't want to malign these folks because I do think there's a you know some people they're just they're uh there's some unwellness going on there on a deep level with some of these folks but when you have someone who is like making all these videos and really presenting themselves as like my job as a wife is to make sure my husband I'm available for my husband anytime I want uh or anytime he wants excuse me uh Although that's a great Freudian slip. Can can I, I'll come back to that in a second. Yes. Keep finished, but I don't want to come back to that slip. Go for it. But at least it's still a, an extroverted kind of, uh, which I guess I'm probably disproving that based on the Freudian slip, but it's still like, it's still uh, not inwardly directed narcissism. You're still focusing on another in some capacity. Yes. No, that's very true. And, And what I liked about the slip is also because, and this is another thing I wanted to talk about with, with this subject, but is that, um, uh, there is, um, so there's a masochistic dimension to what you're describing. So I am there to serve the other, I am to serve their pleasure. Yeah, yeah. But, but interestingly, um, it, that's potentially what that person's saying. Like they're dressing it up in religion, but they might just be betraying their sexual fantasy. And it's a very common sexual fantasy. I mean, masochism is in a sense, one of the most basic sexual fantasies because, a friend of mine is a psychoanalyst. I was talking to him earlier today because um, I knew this was coming up. I was asking him what he thought about the subject. And he was saying that, um, you know, masochism is often a way for a child to turn a trauma into a triumph, right? Like when you're a child, you're completely dependent on your parents. You're completely dependent on the people around you. And so, and you're, all this stuff's happening to you. And People are extracting pleasure from you, and sometimes that's difficult. The only thing you can do is turn the the, the pain into pleasure to somehow enjoy what what is your helpless. And so when I hear like, and it's just, but people are constantly telling you their sexual fantasies when you really listen, and whenever you're saying that, when like, you know, tell me about it. Yeah, <laughs> and like that woman who you're talking about there, like in a way that might be her way of expressing her sexual fantasy but probably in a repressed way like i wonder if she allows herself yeah oh yeah yeah because if you allow yourself to enjoy your masochistic fantasy you're probably less likely to uh dress it up in some weird religious thing you know (laughs) Um, you're more likely just to enjoy it in the bedroom (laughs) and not have to like live your life baking food for somebody else (laughs) (laughs) Uh, that is good stuff, man. I hope that ends up on your good quotes page. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that weird religious stuff. Yeah, um, because I like it's. I was thinking, you know, Freud. He said um, that in a way, all of us have a, a little bit of perversity about us, as in all sexual fantasy has an infantile dimension. So, all sexual fantasies, you'll find some element of sadism or masochism, or voyeurism, or exhibitionism, or fetishism. Uh, you know, a very popular one in the UK is dogging. Do you know dogging? 
Um, no, what is that? Dogging is. Do I, I, am I going to regret asking? Should I ask? Should I ask? <laughs> well, I think I'm allowed to say. Well, it's, I think it's a popular one in the UK, but it's um, it's where people will you you know go to like a park or somewhere quiet at night, but have sex, and then other people will come and watch. So you'll go with your partner, go, you go to somewhere, and and but it's a known place, and so then you're having sex and it's, I think it's called dogging because dogs will have sex in public. Yeah. Um, but you huh. know, that, that's an, that's a relatively tame fantasy, but that you can see has exhibitionist and voyeuristic dimensions to it, you know? Sure. Um, but, but you know, you're not flashing or you're not like looking through a window at somebody like you're, you, it's kind of an expression of kind of, as I say, exp- uh, exhibitionism. We're so weird, man. We're just weird, weird species. <laughs> I wish we were pandas. I would just that's I'm I'm I hope we evolve more like the pandas. Yeah. Uh, I saw I saw a great YouTube video. Where, oh yeah. As oh, I said, well, I saw oh, a great, oh, really? I saw a great YouTube video just where this guy was just ranting about how shit pandas were from an evolutionary perspective. I'll have to send you it, but <laughs> uh, okay. Please yeah. yeah, I thought you were talking about um you saw a YouTube video on the dogging thing and I was like, a YouTube video. <laughs> you sure you, just, you got that URL right? Um Yeah, well so do you, when you you uh you deal Pete with people who very often will um maybe probably come to you for advice or they'll they'll say like, hey, you know, Pete, thanks. I really love your work. Um, I have a question about this thing. Um, mm-hmm. I have a problem with this thing. I, I, my, I'm, um, what's the word I'm looking for? I am uh, getting handsy too much, and <laughs> I need to stop. Uh, I, what would you say to that? Do you say anything, or do you go? Why don't you go talk to, to an actual person, you weirdo, and don't and leave me alone? Which one do you say? <laughs> it must be one of those two. Yes, those are the two choices. Well, yeah, if somebody... I... Go ahead. Yes. Oh, sorry. I, no, I was going to say, I, I'm... Like you were saying, like, I do think that there's some true... Like, I don't think it's like... If you're talking best practices, I don't think it's great, like, to, to do... I do go a little conservative. Like, I go, like, maybe don't... Maybe go out and talk to the girl. Maybe go out and... Uh, and 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 do the... Even just do the work project. You would quit your job. Take a risk somewhere don't don't funnel libido don't rob the rest of your areas of life of your libido by keeping it totally in in the dark does that make any sense oh yeah yeah i i, I think so i, I get a little conservative i get i get yeah. like i get like but at the same time people have so much guilt around it where i'm like i don't feel guilt guilty but i just like i don't know like you know do it when do it sometimes don't do it all the time don't be yeah. a weirdo about it <laughs> don't be don't go yeah. dogging or whatever uh, or do well, if you're so. I mean, if that's what gives you your thrills, I don't know. Well, dogging's dogging's a sexual uh, object relation. Right. So that's, I yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, No, I um, that's interesting. Like for me, yeah, there's nothing. I don't have like you know have any guilt around any sexual stuff at all. Obviously, and like probably like yourself and have. Um, my only interest is to analyze. So like even when it comes to something like the Barbie movie or something, I'm not. In, I'm no. I'm not primarily interested in whether it's good or bad. I'm primarily interested in this is a fantasy of our contemporary society. What does it tell us about this, the unconscious of society? So in a similar way, this is just kind of, a, it's interesting to notice this, the, the decrease in se- sexual relation, et cetera, et cetera. However, um, the real thing I'm interested in is if, so, if 
if someone is interested in telling me this and we're having a conversation is I think analyzing your sexual fantasy is important. So, you know, I wouldn't mind, I mean, like if someone's saying I'm being handsy with myself and like, oh, that's fine. But like here, let's just actually, let's analyze the fantasy itself. Now, most people, neurotics hate to talk about their fantasies really is very embarrassing for them, whatever. But, but if, if you can analyze a person's fantasy, you can, a number of things happen here. So first of all, one of the reasons why someone might be having trouble with a sexual relation um, where they where they get bored, for example, if their partner's naked, they don't find themselves turned on, right? They find themselves there's an impasse, so they can they can DIY it, but they can't have a, a sexual relation without taking Viagra or whatever, um, which is very common. So it's hugely common that people find it very hard to have sexual relation. Analyzing your sexual fantasy can give you an insight into why that is. And as you work it through, you might find yourself naturally finding it easier to have sex with your partner. So that's this is where I love about analysis. Analysis is kind of like just by analyzing, not by changing. The opposite of self-help. Self-help tells you how to get from A to B, right? How did it? Um, analysis doesn't tell you how to get from A to B. Analysis just confronts you with yourself. But that confrontation with your own unconscious um, is in and of itself transformative. So just one example um, of what I mean is, so say you're, you've got like a, a, a kind of fantasy life that is not connected to another person and you are, it's, it's very sadomasochistic, right? And so you're expressing very sadist or masochistic fantasies that are very kind of like, you know, myopic, sedimented and in your own personal life. Analyzing those, you might find that you're taking a trauma, and I don't mean this just about serial masculine, any, any, all fantasy for me is a, can be thought of as turning trauma into triumph, right? So it doesn't matter what the fantasy is, but you might find that it connects with uh, uh, how you were treated by your parents, how you felt that you were being, that you're, like your your mother was there was an over proximity or something like that. Like so, you begin to analyze the fantasy. You begin to see, oh my goodness, this is about my early relationships with my family. You begin to work that through, and that very process can help you uh, share that fantasy with your partner uh, in a healthier, mutually enjoyable way. I don't I don't think I explained that very well at all, but. Um, uh, no, 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 don't, 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 no, you've explained it perfectly. I don't remember <laughs> what you said, but it was really good. Yeah. Well, I mean, this, uh, one of the things I suppose connected to what I'm trying to say is the idea that, that your fantasies could be from a Freudian perspective are the attempt to answer the enigma of sexuality, like the infant very early on when they're getting pleasure from their body, they're also trying to figure out what is the how does the other person get pleasure from me you know whenever the the mother for example is washing the baby and taking time to clean their ass and 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 do all of that stuff right um they there's the baby is kind of like their their body is stimulated and they're also asking the question what does the other want of me what is the other desire of me and then whenever they see their parents maybe kissing or making sounds in the bedroom. There's this enigma of what is 
this sexual pleasure. And one can say that one's fantasies are not so much what you desire, but how you think the other desires you. And I think that's very key in fantasy because we think my nice. oh, fantasy is how I desire, but in a way it's the answer to how you think the other desires. And so if you have masochistic fantasies, they might have a sense in which the other desires your suffering and that can connect yeah. with something. And, and the very analysis of it, Good I stuff. think, yeah, it just helps potentially you to have a, uh, to be more open to another. Nice. Um, yeah. I know um, one time my, um, one a partner of mine uh, said, she was like, I don't, I don't mind if you look at porn, just, you know, um, you can always just show me and, and what it is and we'll, we'll, we'll do it. And I was like, not unless you can afford to buy a horse. Yep. Anyway, so <laughs> do you get what I, do you get the joke? Uh, the joke yeah. Yes. <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> I'm a big, big fan of that, that joke. That's a joke by the way. Um, yeah. but, uh, obviously I know I love horses, but, um, yeah, it, I love that. <laughs> but not in that I think way. You're, yeah. But not in that way. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I think that that's a totally great point that you analyze it and you can see not what you desire, but what the other, what you think the other desires unconsciously. Yes. yes. Very fun. Um, this, you know what I find, I, I do, I do think I'm part panda and I don't know if people listening to this are feeling the same way, but I sometimes run out of energy when I'm talking about this subject because it is so uh, salacious and, and, and so, I mean, are we, are we being scandalous right now? Do you think this is scandalous? I don't think so. Is it? Well, you, you're you're saying. Well, you, yeah, you're not stimulated by it. No, I am stimulated by it. Yeah. It's, in fact, I'm so stimulated by it. <laughs> um, but I'm trying to also come up with a different way to describe like what exactly it is when you're bopping the baloney. You know yes. what I mean? When you're ten, when you're choking the chicken or spanking the monkey. Um, yeah. These are so fun. And by the way, this is all Chat GPT. So. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. I mean, as well, uh, this is, I, I, you could think of fantasy as, right, as I said, it's, it's the way, you know, the, you think that the other extracts desire from you, right? And you can also say then fantasy covers over the failure of sex. So animals just mate. Human beings have to have fantasy. We have to, we have to kind of cover over the sexual act with all sorts of fantasies. Otherwise, it's traumatic. There's something traumatic. Um, and that's why, you know, sexual assault is so traumatic because it's sex without any sexualization, right? You know, so it's a, a traumatic act. Yeah. Um, so fantasy is almost like we have these pre-eatable fantasies that aren't about sex. They're not about genital sex. They're, say, about forms of you know, exhibitionism, voyeurism, sadism, masochism, fetishism. It's always like something else. Yeah. It's like another yeah. thing alongside it or alongside, yeah, covering yeah. it up basically. But then, and then, and then that, but helps us to have sex. So our sexual fantasy yeah. then, if we're, you know, if, if we go through the eatable thing, we then can map those fantasies onto genital sex and, and we can have a hopefully fulfilling sexual life to some extent. But, um, but so many things can go wrong. So many things can go wrong in that, in that scenario. In fact, you could almost say that it never goes completely right. So we all have sexual issues. And um, I, I tend to think, yeah, that there's, that, you know, basically all of us to some extent have sexual issues um, because there's no way to kind of, there's no way just to purely mate. There's, there's, there's a certain traumatic dimension to all fantasy, all sexuality. Um, 
and yeah. There, did you see that clip that went viral of um, um, my favorite person, Tim Pool, uh, who I I'm not that, again not a huge fan of, but he did this whole thing where he was like, um, I'm not a fan of him at all, but he did this whole thing where he was saying like talking to some dudes about the idea of like high value men versus high value uh women hvw versus hvm and he's like he basically goes i think what you should do here's what i think you should do i think you should take, you should uh, you roll up you got your, your your rolex and you're in your bugatti and you roll down the window and a girl's like hey can i come with you and you say what's your body count what's your body count and then if they say a number that you don't like you say no thank you and you roll off you shame them into it because if, if they and then that then women will stop having sex with so many men and it was this whole thing where it was like women need to stop having sex with so much men because a high body count reduces their value and but what was interesting about it to me is the part where he said rolex and like a bugatti or something like that and it's like his fantasy of the alpha male was something out of like a nine-year-old's like idea <laughs> of like what a, a, a like success like a man's man is, and I was like, whoa! I was like, that's what you think? That's like, like that? That's what he thinks a, a good man or a, a high value man is? I was like, whoa! That is gnarly. But uh, it went viral for a little bit, and it was uh, very fun. Yes. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, I've seen. Yeah, there's so many nuts things from lots all sides on that stuff. Yeah. So I, but I have heard that yeah. high value. Yeah. Yeah. The high value, and then it definitely happens on the female side too. There's like a yeah. um, a subreddit that I've been to where they talk about high value guys and high value men. And then this term body count, I think, is such an interesting term because it's so violent. It is literally a, it's referencing like killing people. Mm. And uh, the connection between oh, the amount of people you've had sex with is a body count is like oh, okay, so you've killed them. You've or you, they've. I don't know. It's a uh, I mean, it's interesting because okay. they could, you know, the orgasm is the little death. I mean, there is, a, but also violence. I mean, oh, nice. Yeah. But there's a, I think. And like there's just, an act of violence. Yeah. Associated yeah. with the sex by nature. Yeah. Yeah. Like there's something like a, often sexuality is a way to, as I say, kind of deal with the kind of the earliest type of violence you experience as an infant who you can't, which you cannot control. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. And that's an interesting thing is to ask yourself, like in your fantasy, are you watching? Are you participating? Is who is there? Well, like what's interesting when you're yep. analyzing a fantasy is you kind of look at the structure of it. You kind of work out where all the different people are, what they represent. So people and objects can represent something so you kind of map it all out and you'll discover you definitely discover something interesting about yourself i mean some psychoanalysts most uh old school psychoanalysts will say that you can't really you in order to complete an analysis or to to complete an assessment of analysis you know you need to know the sexual fantasies of the person because they're basically a little uh distilled play a three-minute play of how you extract yeah. desire out of life well, yeah, I mean, th this is very similar to a lot of the stuff that James Hillman talks about when he talks about images, because he's like, put stop, stop trying to interpret it for a second. And he's like, look at the image itself. What is actually going on? What who's there? Like the kind of thing of going, are you participating? Are you watching is a very Hillmanian kind of like interpretation where he's like, don't try to, to nail it down. And he's like, what color is the wall? Like what where exactly what is the setting that you're in? Uh, who are the characters and then that's going yeah. into the whole like mythological element where you are watching a play so what why what are you getting out of this play that's you know um that's unconscious basically
Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I need to read some Hillman. Um, so you have to recommend me some. I need to give you one. Yeah, because he talks, the idea is like basically sticking with the image is sort of the, the his like mantra. And he's like, just don't deviate from the image. He's like, don't, the image is, is irreducible. Uh, and, and, and then you can shoot off and have so many different interpretations that um, it becomes a very like, in it in and of itself it becomes a healing process but it's very fun it's different than what you're talking about but i was like oh yeah that is kind of like what he talks about when he's like the the idea of uh oh so you're watching okay so you're participant so you are you're watching these particular characters they're doing this particular and they are they aware of your presence like that kind of yeah. thing what are they thinking what are they going through and you imagine into it basically uh, and that, very fun. yeah and there's some there's something about this of like that just merely symbolizing stuff, which is talking about it, putting it into languages, is in and of itself uh, healing and beneficial. So uh, you know I can't remember the analyst who said this. My friend Chris Fry talked about it. He's an analyst that a, a nightmare is a field dream, and by that it's like a nightmare is almost like something is happening that's so traumatic it can't be symbolized. But when you can dream and don't have night terrors and don't have nightmares, dreaming itself is healing. And I actually think this is what psilocybin does. I think if you're on a psilocybin trip, to a certain extent, you have an EAR waking dream. And that's why some people come out of it feeling if low level depression can be lifted fatigue because you've had like this EAR kind of symbolization of uh of your of your mind um that that in and of itself is healing just being with the yep. image just speaking it just thinking it um you don't you don't have to work it through like a philosopher works through a philosophical problem you almost just kind of work over it with language and uh, yeah and it's, it's healing yeah um i'm reading this thing that my therapist sent me about psilocybin specifically and the stuff that they're doing right now is a different conversation but about um the hero's dose and the mm -hmm. people taking one hero's dose and the way that it kind of lifts those types of things and it, it would be like basically entering into full-on dreamland for like a full day and you work yeah. stuff out i yeah i've been thinking about it recently i'm trying to figure out what you know what i think and that's where my mind is at at the moment i haven't given it as much thought as i'd like but i kind of came to you just last week thinking that what happens with a hero's dose is you're basically in a type of waking dream state and that in and of itself can be useful because without even trying you know you're you're dreaming you're you're symbolizing you're you're connecting things in the uh, in a signifying chain so that's interesting if you want to send me that article fired across yeah i will um it's it's like i think it was in some it's uh, like saint john it's a very technical or um mm -hmm. boring article but and, and it doesn't get into the and you didn't quite you're close but it's it is actually entering into a different reality yeah or what Henri corban would call the imaginal realm so, yeah. just so you, or as you or as you, you would say you you go into this other dimension and meet space aliens the imaginal realm yeah the sort yeah. of archetypal matrix or the um the the um simulation is another yes the simulation yes <laughs> yeah yeah, I got, yeah. i've got a good friend <laughs> too yeah very good guy smart guy and he you know he takes a lot of dmt and then and believes that he that the world is a simulation and that uh, with the DMT and a certain technique with the laser, you can see the source code. Um, it's very yeah. interesting. You know, he's an interesting guy, uh, good friend. So, yeah. 
Yeah. Who's to say? But I'm wrong? not convinced. I mean, I I'm not convinced. <laughs> What's that? No, you're not convinced. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I said. Well, coming from different, I'm saying I think he's probably right, and you you're not quite convinced yet. <laughs> but we're all just existing on the same spectrum of you know, uh, material versus immaterial, and that's the that's the material versus immaterial versus. Um, Taking a solo flight, making your own gravy. <laughs> <laughs> Big fan of that one. That's disgusting. Oh, uh, is the five fingered shuffle? Cool? <laughs> yeah, it is. Oh. Tickling the pickle, tuning the violin. Oh, and one is just called practicing safe sex. Oh, nice. I- you're going to have fun with naming this one. You're going to have fun with naming this episode. Uh, I think I'm going to call it like moisture-bation or fantasy and moisture-bation. That, something that doesn't have the word in it. That way ah, yes. our, our hits will not be weakened. Because folks, we're coming back. And, and on that note, Pete, I mean, we're close to wrapping up. Oh, yeah. Takeaway-wise, I, you know, um, I'll, I'll, I'll leave it to Pete for the most part. But I think that there is something going on with people's the rise of isolation and the sort of distancing from the other. I would say that in addition to the stuff we're talking about, COVID was a big part of it. I see it just in my friends. I see it in myself. I remember bragging about how little this stuff, these times were affecting me until one day I was like, wait a minute, I really am very reclusive now. And um, I think that is an expression of the same thing when people are taking even their, their sexuality uh, into their own hands. But, um, I think at the end of the day, it's about getting out there and, and getting into the messy grime and paradoxes of everyday life. What yeah. about you, Pete? No, I agree. And like, I, you know, you say that you feel it in yourself. I feel it in myself, you know, very much. So, And I'm a single guy and I feel like I kind of checked out of kind of a lot of relational stuff. And I don't think that's healthy or good. And I think that I'm part of a trend that is, you know, not great and you know, like, it's funny, it's, it's, it's especially when I was living in America, just feeling that I'm with myself and my friends, more and more isolation, more and more disconnection from others, more and more suspicion about the other, more and more fear of the toxic other. And um, I, I don't know, we, we can, I think we should talk about this more in the podcast and maybe talk about uh, signs of that are positive. But at the moment, um, I think there's a lot of, you know, it's a, uh, uh, I don't, I, I, I'm a little bit concerned about where everything's going. I wonder if we're becoming like pandas. Um, but, yeah. it, but what I do is, uh, uh, to keep myself, uh, going, I just, you know, I keep you and grace in my heart and mind. So all right. All group. right. <laughs> okay. All right. Yes. I mean, we appreciate it. We really do. We always like to get involved in whatever way we can. Yeah. Um, I just amazed that but... I, you didn't know why I sent that text. That's very funny. I I think I put it together later, but I didn't think I I honestly just was like, what is he? Because what I'll try to do is go, what what is Pete doing right now? And then I'll do the math. And I'm like, okay, eight hours ahead, nine o'clock, Saturday night. Maybe he's just having a ball. Like maybe he's out (laughs) drunk and he's like, masturbation fantasies. (laughs) I'm like, good for him. He's out having a great time out in the world. But that's not the case. You were just giving a very you know, logical topic. So, um, thanks. Thanks for that. All right. Well, listen, great Uh, to catch up, man. 
Great to catch up, folks. Thank you for listening. We're going to be uh, knocking a few of these out, and then we're going to be releasing them. So assuming we get that far in, we get ahead of ourselves, please help support the podcast at patreon.com slash thefundamentalists. We might do stuff over there at some point, or we might not, but don't get your hopes up because you know how we are. Uh, but it would definitely help out in getting this thing edited, and uh, we'll figure everything else out. And if you have topics or whatever, let us know in the comments, or you can just DM us or tweet at us or something like that, and we'll probably read it. Um, anything else, Pete, anything that you would like to, this will go up later. So there's no, yep. No, I'm good. Um, till next time till next time. All right. Bye everybody. Bye.